Well, let me ask to begin with, how many people here wear glasses or contacts? Now, why do you wear glasses? Yeah, Papa wears them too. There were three women that went into a restaurant and they picked up the menu and all three of them put on their glasses. They were a little embarrassed and the first woman said, I really only need mine for close reading. The second one said, I only use mine when the light's dim. And then the third one smiled and confessed, I rarely wear mine except when I want to see. The real reason those ladies wore glasses were that they did not have 20-20 vision. And that's really something that's important to a lot of people. I found that if you go to the optometrist's office, that you'll find a chart similar to this one. Now that one on the screen might be a little blurry, which may mean you need glasses, I don't know. But if you look down to like line 8, that is, if you can read that in the optometrist's office, then that means you have 20-20 vision. And it means you have good vision. Now, if you have better than average vision, which is 20-20, if you have something better than that, then you could probably read further down on that chart in the office. But what that chart is... It's set up 20 feet away. And you say, well, when I sit down in that chair in the optometrist's office, that, that, that screen's right there. Well, they use mirrors to reflect it back to the, to the wall in front of you so that it is 20 feet away. And at 20 feet away, you should be able to read line 8. And if you can't, then they start doing those little things, you know, where they flip them in front of your eyes. A, B, 1, 2, 1, and you finally figure out, hey, wow, I can see. And when you get those glasses for the first time and you put them on, isn't it amazing how clear everything is? It is very amazing. A lot of us don't have 20-20 vision. And so we need corrective lenses to help us to be able to see those things in our lives that are very important to us. And the question this morning is, for a Christian, we should have 20-20 vision also. But what should be the measure of our 20-20 vision? What is the measure of a Christian? What is a measure for a church for it to be the perfect chart to look at to see if you are seeing and doing what you're supposed to do? And I think all of us know the answer to that question. It's Jesus Christ. The answer is Jesus because He's like that chart on the wall that if you can see that chart, you know that you have perfect vision when they dial it in and you get those right corrective lenses and if you don't have those, then you're very blessed because you don't need them and that's great because there's nothing like God's vision that He gave us. But as a Christian, how many of us look to Jesus to see if our life is what it really should be? You see, in Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. 
And chapter 12 is a follow-up after the list of chapter 11 where all those heroes of faith are mentioned. That by faith they did what they were told to do. And we see the results of that. And some of them ended up losing their lives because their faith moved them to do what God told them to do. And people around them didn't like what they were doing. But verse 1 there tells us that we are followed or we have this cloud of witnesses and it encourages us to lay aside any weight that's going to slow us down while we're running that race. Because we're running that race every day of our lives. And then verse 2 tells us, looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So who should we be looking at? What should we be looking at to realize if we have the perfect vision and we're doing what we're supposed to be doing as a Christian and as a congregation of God's people? The answer is Jesus. That we need to be looking to Him to see if our life is aligned with His life. And I believe that the closer we look and the more we look, the more like Jesus we will be in our everyday lives. They asked a question in John chapter 12, which Kevin read for us. They said, Sirs, we would see Jesus. They made a statement, not a question. They made a statement. And as a Christian and as a congregation of God's people, we should be looking for Jesus, looking to Jesus. But do we see the true Jesus? Is the life that you're living, the life that you're comparing to, is it the true Jesus that you're looking at? Or is it the Jesus that you have defined for yourself? You see, the true Jesus is the one that we read about in the Bible. But the Jesus that a lot of people look at, maybe some of us, is the Jesus that we want Him to be. And that's a trap that Christians fall into. We see, we tend to see Jesus the way we want to see Jesus. And Jesus that we see is not the real Jesus. There's a true story of a professor who was teaching a class called Jesus of Nazareth. And on the first day of class, he always gave a test. And the test involved things about what they would imagine Jesus' personality would be like. It would ask questions about... Do you think Jesus always wanted to follow the rules? Do you think that He wanted to be different than the way we see Him in the Bible? Do you think Jesus was a worrier? And it asked questions like that. But in the second half of the quest, or the test was the exact same questions except it wasn't what Jesus would do. It was, are you a worrier? Do you always want to go by the rules? And you know what the results were? The professor said it was phenomenal. The test revealed that most people tend to think Jesus is like them. 
students hadn't fixed their eyes on the real Jesus. They saw Jesus as they wanted Him to be. And I believe that there are a lot of Christians that do the exact same thing because you can show them things in the Bible that Jesus taught and they will say, well, you know, I think He wants me to be happy. I think He's okay with what I'm doing. I know it's not perfect, but I'm sure He's okay with it. What have they done? And if you're one of those individuals, what have you done? You've taken your eyes off the true Jesus to find your own Jesus. You see, Jesus wasn't the measure of who they thought they would or should be. Instead, for those students, they were the measure of who Jesus should be. And that's what we do sometimes. Instead of changing our life to reflect Christ, we change Christ to reflect us. That's what happens when we're not careful. When we put our eyes on the wrong things. And it's kind of dangerous. Because when we take our eyes off Jesus, we can cripple our faith. And remember the story of Jesus walking on the water? <clears throat> it's found in Matthew chapter 14, <clears throat> verses 22 through 33. And in that event, Jesus is walking on the water, <clears throat> and Peter looks out and he sees Jesus. And he says, Bid me to come to you. Let me come out to the water. Let me walk on this water and come out to you. And Jesus says, Well, come on. And Peter climbed down out of the boat. He stepped on the water and he walked on water. Can you imagine what that must have felt like for Peter when he walked on the water? And all was good until he took his eyes off of Jesus and started looking at the waves and the wind and all those things that were affecting him. And he began to sink. And he cried out to Jesus. And Jesus stretched out His hand and saved him. One of the things that I, I noticed in that story is, I wonder how far Peter walked before he took his eyes off of Jesus. And think about how close he had to have been to Jesus for Jesus just to stretch out his hand and save him. You see, Jesus wasn't, didn't have that rubber arm that reached across the whole lake. He had to be close enough to Jesus that Jesus could reach down and grab him. So when he was close to Jesus, he sank. Why? Because he took his eyes off of Jesus and started looking at all the other things that he shouldn't have. And it caused Peter to doubt. <clears throat> and it crippled his faith. happens to us when we take our eyes off of Jesus? Do you think it cripples our faith? Do you think it hurts us spiritually? I think that it does. And the same is true with Peter. But it's even worse when we take our eyes off of, of Jesus and we take our eyes off the real Jesus. We can even endanger our own salvation. 
And so how does that happen? Well, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, it says, Then said Jesus unto His disciples, If any man will come after Me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow Me. I think one of the hardest things for people to do is deny themselves. We want to do what we want to do. And sometimes that's contrary to what Jesus wants us to do. And so we go ahead and do what we want to do. But Jesus says that we have to first deny ourselves and take up our cross. That means that's not always going to be a pleasant journey. It's not always going to be something that we want to do. It's not always going to be easy. But then He says, follow Me. How many of us really, truly want to follow Jesus? Have you ever gone someone with a group or gone somewhere with a group of people, and it takes more than one vehicle, so you've all pile into two, two or three vehicles, and that lead person knows where you're going. The rest of you, you don't know where you're going. You're just following that person. They said they know how. You trust them, and so you follow them. And what happens when they go too fast? You've got to speed up. What happens if they slow down? You slow down. Sometimes you wonder why are they going so slow? But then what happens when you come up to that red light and it's green, but it's turning yellow? And that first car says, I can make it, but he forgets all those other people are behind. What do you do? You get stuck at the light. You're not going to go through it. That car keeps going. So what do you do? Can you see them? Can you see the car? Do you see them? Did they turn? Where, where are they? You do that? And you're stretching your neck and you got everybody else in the car trying to find that car. And you find one that looks like it, but it may not be them. You want to make sure. How do you know? You hope they pull off and wait. How many of us follow Jesus to where when we fall behind, we falter, are we looking to see how we can catch back up? Or are we just satisfied with where we're at? When we take our eyes off of Jesus, off the real Jesus, and we start focusing on the Jesus who is like us, who agrees with us, eventually we find something other than Jesus to love and start to walk away. We walk away from the promises that He's given us of salvation and all the other spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. How can we tell the difference? How can I know if I'm becoming like Peter? Or I'm endangering my salvation? Well, the Bible tells us in John chapter 6 and verse 40, And this is the will of Him that sent Me, that everyone that seeth the Son and believeth on Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. Notice in that verse, it's not enough to look on Jesus. We have to believe in Jesus. We have to believe what He teaches. We have to believe that He is the Son of God. We have to believe that if we follow Him, He is going to lead us to heaven. 
And we need to understand that He is the only way to heaven. He's the only one that's going to get us there. So it is worth denying self and taking up our cross and making sure we follow Him. Why? Because He is that vision. He is that hope. And we need to keep our eyes on Christ. And when He tells us that we need to believe in Him, what does that mean? Well, first of all, I can tell you what it doesn't mean. In Luke chapter 23 and verse 8, it says, And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, for he, had, he was desirous to see Him for a long season because he had heard many things of Him and he hoped to have seen some miracles done by Him. And so here we have Herod, a powerful individual. He wants to see Jesus. But is he looking at Jesus for the right reason? Did Herod look on Jesus? Of course he looked on Jesus. It says that he was desirous to see Him. He wanted to see Him. He had a desire to see Him. In other words, he was wanting to see Him and he had wanted to do so for a very long time. So what's wrong with that? Well, Herod didn't want to see Jesus on Jesus' terms. He wanted to see Jesus on His terms. And that's where a lot of Christians go wrong. They want Jesus to meet their needs on their terms. And they tend to see Jesus as their servant as opposed to them being the servant of Christ. And that's what Herod wanted. I want you to do a miracle for me. I want you to do it on my terms. And isn't that what we want from Jesus? Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting Jesus to meet our needs. He's promised that He would meet our needs. That's what Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 is all about. We provide for the things that we need. He can give me peace, He can give me hope. I can have forgiveness because of what He's done on the cross. And there's many other blessings that we have. Spiritual blessings, physical blessings that we have because of Christ. And in Psalms chapter 37 and verse 4, it says, it tells us, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. So there's nothing wrong with believing that Jesus will take care of our needs. But the problem is when that becomes the primary reason or the primary focus of our relationship with Christ. Notice what happened right after the Greeks came and asked to see Jesus. John chapter 12, verses 25 through 26. Jesus says, He that loveth me, or loveth his life, shall lose it. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servants be. You see, if we're going to follow Jesus the right way, we're going to be His servants. When we do something we shouldn't, when we get off the path, we're looking for Jesus. We're trying to find Him. We want to get back on that right path. 
Because we believe that He is the Messiah. We believe that He is the way to eternal life. We believe that He is our hope, that He's our peace. We believe that He's the real Jesus and we need to conform to His will, not turn Him into what we want Him to be. John chapter 2, or 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15, it says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any, <clears throat> if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. <clears throat> well, listen to what it says in James chapter 4 and verse 4. The adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. So what's the Bible telling us? That we can't be of the world. We can't do those things that the world does, live like the world, and be a follower of Jesus Christ. That we have to be different. We need to be following Him and doing His will. Denying self. Taking up that cross and following Him. We see sing songs about following Jesus. But are we being honest when we sing those songs that talk about where He leads me, I will follow? Do we believe those words? Anywhere with Jesus, I will safely go. Do we believe those words? Do we trust Him? The truth is, you can't truly see Jesus if something else is more important to you. Have you ever been in the company of someone that has one of these things in their hand? And all they're doing is... And you ask them a question, they don't even hear you. You talk to them, they don't even hear you. You can have a total conversation. You can say everything you've got to say. They're still doing this. And then finally you smack them. And you say, hey, I'm talking to you. You want to say, what, 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 what? Did you say something? What are they telling you? This is more important than the conversation that you're having with them. I wonder how God feels when we allow other things to get in between our relationship with Him and us. When we're following and we see something that distracts us and pulls us off the road and we go some other path than what the Lord wants us to go. Or He wants to communicate to us through His Word, but we would rather do something else. Or He'd like to hear from us and talk to us. And we pray to Him, but we would rather do something else. Do you think that kind of irritates God? Because I know that when you've been in those situations... Because I've been in those situations where I've talked to somebody and they're doing this. Now, I can't do that that fast. That's why my my phone's off. (laughs) But think about that. Would you rather follow God? Follow the real Jesus? Or let something else get in the way? I would imagine that God gets upset. And the very idea that there's something else in this world that's more important to us than Jesus, or the very idea that it's like 
You know, some people would die for their phone. I read, I read an article. You've seen people that have walked into fountains and fell in while they were doing this. Seen people walk out in front of cars doing this. And I read an article one time, many years ago, about a girl that had 6,500 text messages in one month. And she said that she would die without her phone. How do you think God feels when we let something that is useless to our salvation get in the way of our salvation and our relationship with Him? Because there's a lot of things besides a cell phone that people would die to keep that they don't want to give up. But they're giving up their salvation. My point is this. In John chapter 6 and verse 40, it says, This is the will of Him that sent Me, that everyone that seeth the Son and believeth on Him may have everlasting life. He was saying, if you follow Me, put down that thing in your hand. Put away whatever it is that you think is so important. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow Me. Put aside everything that you think is important because compared to Christ and your salvation, it's not worth it. It's not worth allowing those things to get in the way. So we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. And let nothing take priority over Him. But there's one other point that I would like to make in this lesson. When Jesus is the focus of our life, when we're really following the true, real Jesus, it's going to attract the attention of other people. Whether you like it or not, whether you want to be honest or not, it's going to attract the attention of other people. They will know that you have your eyes fixed on Him. I think back to the, my neighborhood in a, when I was a kid, and I think of all the people that I've run into now that lived in that same neighborhood when we lived in that same neighborhood that are Christians today. Now, I don't know if we had anything to do with it, but I know one thing. We didn't hurt the cause. And I know that my dad met with other people on the, on the same block. Because back in those days, you knew everybody around the block, up the block, up the road, up down the road. Everybody. You knew everybody. And I know that my dad, for one, if he had the opportunity, you were going to hear about Jesus Christ. You're going to hear about what you needed to do in order to be saved. Did we have an impact on others? I don't know. But I think maybe we did. And that's the important thing in all of our lives. Is that we need to have an impact on other people by the life that we live. And when we fix our eyes on Jesus, reaching people for Christ will be a driving passion that we have. Because we know that they need to hear that Gospel. And they need to see the love that we have for Christ and the desire to be like Him. In our text... Verse 21 of John chapter 12, we're told that the Greeks came to Philip. And they said, Sir, 
we would see Jesus. Do you remember what Philip did? Did he take them to Jesus? The answer is no. In verse 22, it tells us Philip went and told Andrew. And Philip, or Andrew and Philip, went and told Jesus. Philip is one of Jesus' disciples. And he has an opportunity here to introduce these individuals to Jesus. But he does not do it. Does that strike you as odd? Does that seem odd that a disciple of Christ didn't share Jesus with him? He didn't take him to Jesus? It seems odd to me. He has a chance to do something, to say something, and all he does is pass the buck. He goes to Andrew, and Andrew leads the way. And that just doesn't seem right, at least to me. I'd have thought that Jesus would have rebuked him or said something to him or done something. Like, be a man, Philip. Step up. Share your faith. Tell other people about Jesus. Now, we know something about Philip because Philip... When he was called to follow, he went and found Nathanael and said, We found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. That's found in John chapter 1 and verse 45. So in other words, Philip did share his faith at one point. He did tell Nathanael about him. It's just for some reason, he felt the need to involve Andrew this time. Maybe he looks up to Andrew. Maybe he sees Andrew as someone who has stronger faith than he does. I don't know the reason. You see, I don't know because the Bible doesn't tell me. But I do know this. that The Bible doesn't condemn him, does it? It doesn't condemn Philip for going for backup. Our highest priority ought to be that we're willing to share our faith. And that's important. But Jesus doesn't rebuke him. The Bible doesn't condemn him. I've seen this uh, meme, if I can get it to pop up here, back last year. It says, All I want for Christmas is my friends and family to know Jesus. And that's Charlie Brown there. He's kind of looking up at heaven, making that request. And I thought, that should be our desire all the time. But you know, maybe the answer to that prayer is Charlie Brown. And I hear people many times say, oh, I would love for my family to be faithful. I would love for them to be members of the church. I would love for them to obey the Gospel. What are you doing to make it happen? And many times it's not enough just to want it. It's not enough to just say it. it you've got to make it happen. You need to live it in your life. And you don't need to wait for Christmas. 
You don't need to wait until they're ready to die because that's what happens many times. Uh-oh! Grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, mom, dad, whatever. They're going to die now and they haven't heard the Gospel and I haven't been telling them about it, but now all of a sudden I'm concerned about their soul. Brethren, you need to be concerned about our soul every day. Don't wait till the end. Don't wait till it's almost too late. Don't wait for it to be Christmas. Tell them about Jesus now. Leave it in their hands. But live the life. Follow the true Jesus. Because I've been around long enough to know that a lot of times family don't want to become members of the church because their family member that is a member of the church isn't following the real Jesus. And they see hypocrites. They see people that are doing things that they should not do, they know they shouldn't do, because they're not following Christ. They've redefined Jesus on their terms. Don't be one of those people. You follow the true Jesus. He's your eye chart. You look at Him and you ask yourself, is your life, does your life reflect Jesus? Are you following the real Jesus? Or are you following the one that you've conjured up in your own mind to be the way you want Him to be? so that you can live the way you want to live. We should not be ashamed to be like who we just talked about, Philip. We shouldn't be ashamed to get somebody else involved to help share the Gospel with someone. But my point is this. It's a whole lot easier to get someone to obey the Gospel when they see Christ in you. What kind of life are you living? What kind of example are you being? How's your vision? If you fix your eyes on Jesus, you'll get the job done. If you fix your eyes on the true Jesus, you'll make it to heaven if you're following Him. When you get off track, are you looking to see where He's at so you can get back on track? Or do you just pull over, get out and stay there? Are you looking for the real Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, our faith? Because that's the only way we're going to get to heaven. Make Jesus Christ the vision that you have for the follow this year and all the years following. Allow Him to be your example so that we can all have heaven as our home. This morning, if you're not a Christian, Jesus came to this earth and died so that you could have eternal life, so that you could have the forgiveness of sin, so that you could have the honor and privilege of calling God your Father. Do you have that privilege today? If you're not a Christian, then you need to do something about it. You need to obey the Gospel. You need to be buried with our Lord in baptism to have your sins washed away by the blood of Christ. And then when you come up out of that water, that sin's washed away and you are a new creature, creature, a new person in Christ. That old slate's been clean. And now you come up out of that water to walk in newness of life. 
And that's part of denying self. From then on, that's when you're denying self and you're taking up your cross and following Him. And I, I think it's important that we point out that that cross is something that's not always easy. So living a Christian life is not always going to be easy. But it'll be worth it in the end. And so this morning, if you're not a Christian, I would encourage you to think seriously about your soul's salvation and make the changes that you need to make by first being buried with our Lord in baptism to have your sins washed away so that you can have that relationship with our Father. Maybe as a Christian, you're free to find Jesus yourself. Make Him what you want Him to be as opposed to what He really is. Because it's only the true Jesus, the real Jesus, that is the way, the truth, and the life. And we must follow Him if we want heaven to be our home. Are you following Him? If you need to make changes in your life, we're here to help you in any way that we can. If you have a need, you can come and have a seat up here on the front row. You have an opportunity while we stay in the same.